Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. On today's program, we'll continue our look at the lives of Abraham and Sarah, and see that despite their unbelief, God was still faithful to the promises He made them. Part two of Cheryl's message titled, God's Unfailing Word. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. He did for the person, Sarah. He did it at the time. He did the work, conception, childbirth, and God did it all exactly as he promised. But this is not the end of the promise. This is not the end of the word of God. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just give us one promise and say, okay, that's it. Enjoy. That's your one promise. You can wait all your life, but that's your one. No. Aren't you so glad as we sang that all his promises are yes and amen? that he gives us promise after promise. And this promise about Isaac, about this descendant, this is only the beginning of the promises. This is the validation that everything God has ever promised is going to happen. It's going to happen. Here is the venue. Here is the way in. God not only keeps his word to Abraham and Sarah, but also to Hagar. In ministry, one of the hardest aspects is when you have to let somebody go. It's so hard. I mean, I would like to just mother everybody. My, mom, my mother-in-law, Carol, was telling me she was an accountant for years, and she worked for a large company that was downsizing. And she was in this department, and she said every day over the loudspeaker, they would call one of her coworkers to the office. And the coworker would leave and go to the office and then return with two security guards. And they had to collect all of their belongings. And then the security guards would escort them to their car and take their, confiscate their keys. And that would be it. And I remember my mother-in-law was just tortured by watching one coworker that she loved and invested in, all except for the Jehovah Witness that was not as bad as everybody else. I remember she said, that woman was so unhappy every day. But even that, my mother-in-law called me crying when she was removed from work. It's one of the hardest aspects of it. But when Isaac is weaned at this party that they threw, and Isaac could have been anywhere from three to five years old. Ishmael at this time is anywhere from 16 to 19 years old. She sees Ishmael mocking, teasing um, 
It can even go so far as a physical uh, abuse, what she saw. It's a very serious matter, the way he was mocking, the way he was taunting this little child. It, it's, you know, it's, it's perverse when you see a teenager mocking a three to five-year-old, hurting and frustrating. Sarah is very displeased. And she tells Abraham her concern. Sarah is worried about her young, vulnerable son. Think about it. Sarah is in her 90s. How can she defend Isaac against Ishmael? How can she watch him constantly? She's probably taking a lot of naps. Ishmael is resentful of this young intruder because of Isaac. Ishmael has lost his inheritance. He's lost the wealth and the prestige of being the firstborn son because of this young child named Laughter. He's lost everything. And I think Hagar is also bitter and that bitterness is being um, infused into Ishmael. And you know, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, it says, fire is raging, but who can stand before jealousy? Who can stand before envy? And Sarah strongly recommends that Abraham protect Isaac, the child of promise, by sending Ishmael away. Abraham is displeased. It hurts. But God confirms Sarah's concern and Abraham sends Hagar and Ishmael away. They depart and they wander in the area of Beersheba, which is close to the Negev. They run out of water and Hagar panics. She hides Ishmael under some foliage, sure that he will die. But God finds Hagar. You know, perhaps Hagar knew she was in the wrong. Perhaps she knew her own bitterness knew that her child was not the promised child. Now she's been sent away. I don't think she expected God to come through again. But God finds Hagar. And he says, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. At that moment, God opens Hagar's eyes to see a well of water, not just a spring, not just a puddle, but a well of water, sustenance of water. Both Hagar and Ishmael are revived, and just as the Lord promised, Ishmael marries, has descendants, prospers as an archer, and Ishmael grows and later becomes a nation. God's word prevails even to Hagar and Ishmael. Even though they are rejected, even though they were sent away, God's word to them was greater than any of the riches Ishmael could have received as Abraham's heir. Even when we feel rejected and diminished, removed, God still cares and is still going to fulfill his word. And even when those we love are removed from us, God is still going to fulfill his word. God sustained, he prospered, and he blessed Ishmael according to his word. There is a time 
when we have to commit those we love to God's word. There is only so much we can do for them. Maybe because of their own sin, because of their own mocking, their own taunting, uh, the disturbance that they're creating in the house. There is only so much we can do. And we have to commit them and commend them to the word of God. In Acts chapter 20, Paul knew that his ministry time was short and he met with the Ephesians. He says, after I leave, I know that ravenous wolves are going to come in. Some of them um, rising up from among your very fellowships. And they're going to seek to destroy the word of God. They're going to seek to eat up the sheep of God. But Paul said, and now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I know that the word of God will work for you. Even if you're removed from me, even if I can't come running to you, even if I can't write you a letter of encouragement, even if I'm in heaven, I know that I can commend you to the word of his grace and it will cause you to stand. It will build you up and give you everything you need. God's word can sustain, bless, prosper, and minister in ways that we can't. We have to, and God will, God will make it so we have to just give people over to the promises of God. We just have to, especially our children. I've, my, um, my son-in-law had a job in New York and he was dismissed by no wrongdoing of his own. He was dismissed from his job. On his last paycheck was supposed to be August 31st. Well, they looked at it and they said, okay, your last paycheck will be October 31st. Brian and I, because of this wedding and other things, we're just, we're broke, okay? We're struck, but we're, God is good. We don't need your money. God is sustaining us. We're learning new lessons of faith, everything. But we do not have money to send them. We just don't. And we're looking at this going, great. They're without a paycheck, October 31st. And we're praying and we're praying and we're praying. Well, the Apostles Church of New York City hired my son-in-law November 1st. November 1st. He's the, he's, the, he's the interim pastor till February, but he's irresistible. He's the pastor. I speak a word of faith. God did what we couldn't do. We're here in California. He's in New York. They need money. We don't have any because we just did a wedding. But God, but God, we were able to commend them over to the word of God. God who said, I will provide everything that you need according to my riches and glory. We could commend them to the word of God's grace. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be you know, doing it absolutely right. This is a word of grace that we commend. We can commend sinners and saints to the word of God's grace. We can stand on these promises for those we love. 
because God's word never fails. I want you to think of it for, for a moment. If Ishmael had stayed in the tents of Abraham, he would never have become what he was supposed to become. He would never have become an archer. He would never have married an Egyptian wife. He would never have had the descendants that all became uh, kings. God had to remove Ishmael from Abraham's tent so God could prove himself to Ishmael. You know, so many times we think it's all about Isaac, but sometimes it's about Ishmael. Sometimes God is removing that he might work work in the one who feels rejected and diminished, that he might complete his word to them. God's word continues to bless and prevail. Genesis 21, 22 through 24. Abimelech, who was once feared by Abraham, now comes to make a covenant with Abraham. Don't you love this? How the tables are turned. At one point, Abraham is afraid of Abimelech. But who's afraid now? Abimelech comes to Abraham and he says, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity. But according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. As Abimelech looked at Abraham's wife, no doubt still reeling from the dream, from the plague that had been in his house. He now looks at Abraham, the wife that he returned to Abraham, that 90-year-old thing, has just had a baby, according to the word of God. And he's like, I'm kind of afraid of you. You know, God sterilized all my wives, and yet God makes your 90-year-old productive. Abraham uses the advantage to bring up the subject of a well that some of Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech promises to remedy the situation and they enter into a covenant together. And Abraham ratifies that covenant by giving seven sheep to signify or to pay for the water rights to the well he dug. Beersheba uh, sounds a lot like spring of seven. Uh, and so there is something in that that Abimelech will look at those seven sheep and remember that Abraham owns the water rights to this well in Beersheba. Abraham then plants a tamarisk tree to mark the spot of the covenant. A tamarisk tree requires lots of water, so its growth is dependent on this well, which will also be a sign of the covenant to Abraham. And then Abraham calls on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Everlasting, not just that he's eternal, but what Abraham is declaring is you have been faithful from beginning to end. You are the alpha, you are the omega, you are imminent, you have always been there. And Abraham there calls on the name of the Lord. To call on the name of the Lord is he's remembering, he's praising the faithfulness of God. There's a song, a hymn that I used to sing as a child um, called God Moves in Mysterious Ways. And I just want to read you the lyrics. 
God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break with blessing on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God in his own interpreter and he, how God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. It's a known fact that I love to watch Judge Judy. And at times she will look at one of the litigants and say, you'll never know where I'm going with this. If you live a million years, you'll never guess where I'm going with this. So don't try to guess. Don't try to anticipate what you should say. Just tell the truth. With God, in a million years, we cannot guess or anticipate how he is going to perform his word and bring it to pass. Because it's mysterious. It's wondrous. But we can believe it. We can stand on it and we can cooperate with it. God promised Abraham that he would have a son through Sarah. He also told Abraham that his descendants would possess all of Israel. He told him that through his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And God kept all of his word to Abraham, culminating in the son of David, the son of Abraham, Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, as promised by God's word, Jesus, the Messiah came, the ultimate descendant. Abraham's child, this word of God to Abraham points to the ultimate word of God to all of us. In Isaiah 9.6, God said, for unto us a child is born, the prophet Isaiah, unto us a child is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God is zealous, as Jesus said, and the scripture must be fulfilled. And the scripture cannot fail. The zeal of the Lord of hosts perform this. God was zealous to perform his word to Abraham. And he was zealous to perform his ultimate word to Abraham through Jesus. But even Jesus is not the end of God's word or the end of the story. He is the venue into all of the promises of God. 
He is the way into everything God has said. We can be assured of every promise of God because of Jesus, because he kept his word. He has given us a son. He has given us the child whose name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. No matter how impossible, improbable, or seemingly ridiculous, God will do all that he says in his word. A time is coming and soon will be when all the kingdoms of this world will be under the authority of Jesus the Messiah because God's word is unfailing, unfaltering, and unflinching. It stands up in the court of secular kings. It happens even under improbable circumstances. It holds true even for the rejected, the diminished, and the undeserving. And it takes precedent over every authority in this world. This is the word of God that has been given to us in the Bible. To be truly prepared, to truly prosper even in these dark, broken times, and to be protected for the future. What is needed is to believe God's word and invest your life completely in it. Come under the full authority of God's word. That what God says is greater than circumstances. What God said is greater than any king or sovereign or ruler. What God says is greater than any heart that mocks or taunts. What God says will stand, will be accomplished, will come to pass. God's word cannot fail. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. It is unfaltering unfailing and unflinching. I was praying because with Genesis 20 and 21, there were so many different directions to take this chapter. But God said, I want you to tell them about my word. I felt it so strongly in my heart. You tell them that my word is unfaltering, unfailing and unflinching. You need to know this for today. You need to know this for tomorrow. You need to write this over every circumstance of your life. You need to never forget and always remember that God's word never fails. This word will stand. People will fall. Governments will fall. Buildings will fall. Institutions will fall. But this word will not falter. This word will will not fail. This word will stand forever. You who have come under the authority of God's word, rejoice, rejoice, because all that God has promised will come to pass. And in this, we can be thankful. In this, we can take joy because he has given us his holy word that we can find promises for today and promises for tomorrow.
and we can stand and we can believe and we can know with absolute certainty because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of the son of Abraham, the son of David that has come and died for the sins of the world and risen again, that every word that God has spoken will come to pass and not fail. As Christians, we can find security in God's Word. It's His truth to us. In every situation, trial, and hardship, God's Word is greater. God wants us to know that His Word is unfaltering, unfailing, and unflinching. As we allow it to have authority in our lives, we can rejoice and be thankful, knowing that all He promised will come to pass. We can rest in certainty because of Jesus and what He did on the cross. May the Lord help us to receive His Word that it might have full authority in our lives. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look further at the promises of God as we continue our series, Our Great Creator, in the book of Genesis with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.